Welcome to Behind the SaaS. I'm your host, Aaron Hallerton. And this week's episode is recorded on AirPods because in the middle of recording, my blue snowball microphone has decided to stop being picked up appropriately by my Mac. Uh, I think it's probably this cheap KVM switch that I got. That's what happens when you go cheap. And when I say cheap, it was still $70 or $80. But at any rate, we're going to plow ahead. I just want to get this out. I've got to work on my gear. This gives me a good reason to buy something new. You didn't come here for any of that. You came here because you want to understand what it looks like when you put partner ops under RevOps. That's the conversation we're having this week. Now, it's a little bit less tactical in terms of systems and tools, but it's still very relevant because right now partner operations is a growing focus. It's a growing piece of the SaaS system, especially with an increased focus on ecosystem and all the fancy things you're hearing fly around with different terms and concepts and terminology and questions about what does it mean for somebody to be in partner ops. Well, this week, a question came from our community. A friend of mine named Jason Lawson asked a good question about what happens when you put partner ops in RevOps. And this is a great question because it's a leader showing an interesting concern for the impact of a role alignment on his team. I just like that. We're concerned about how reorging is going to impact the team and how that, how that could impact their career and their aspirations and things like this. But also it's strategic because he's trying to get a sense of how it's going to impact the scope of the work he can get done for this person. Uh, that's completely reasonable. I really appreciate that he sees that ahead of time. Uh, and finally, I just like that it created engagement. Um, so this week, Jason's question is pretty straightforward, and we're going to engage responses from some people in our community that are partnership operational professionals. All of this, folks, is coming out of partnership leaders. So if you're looking for a place to belong, you are in partnerships in any function, leadership, marketing, program management, operations, analysts, deal payment, whatever. It's a great place to go and learn extensively. There is a Slack channel basically with so much content. And that's not even it. There's events depending on where you live in the world. Like I live in Northwest Arkansas. Not a lot going on here for partnerships. If you're in the area, give me a call. Let's hang out and have a beer. Otherwise, you know the places, big areas, you, you can get to events. There's an events calendar at the website. Go check it out. Figure it out. Follow my referral link or just sign up. I don't care. Um, just get involved. It's a great place to be. And for operations professionals, I love it because it's creating a space for us to go and to get some stuff done. Now, on to the podcast. I've got a response from one, two, three, four, five people in the community that have some level of experience with partner operations or programmatic leadership and guidance. Um, most of these people, I think all of them actually have hands-on experience doing some level of operations. I'm going to start and just go through their responses. Um, you know, what happens. Here's what to think about when you put partner operations in the RevOps team. Jason Ng, Senior Manager, Partner Operations and Strategy at Deal. Jason, if I said your name wrong, you, you, I owe you a drink. Um, we've not talked about that. I apologize. Um, Jason says overall, and he sits under RevOps, he likes it because he feels directly plugged in. He can get strategic projects mindset and visibility and bring that back to partnerships that he might not get otherwise. And that's true. Having worked in a dedicated function, I know that that can be true. You can lose visibility. And one of the things you fight for in partner operations is visibility and partnerships in general. Hey, does the org know we're here? How come they didn't think about this when they changed the sales process or how we structure lead management or lead distribution or bought new platforms constantly there. 
also it helps give him a neutral position to come to when he's asking the business for support. Uh, because he rolls up to RevOps, he's got a broader focus than your typical person, and he likes that. It doesn't look like he's just coming for partnerships and partnerships only. Now, the downside is if you're in RevOps in a smaller org, you're probably going to get tasked with non-partnership work. And if that's what you want, that goes into aspirations and career. Speaking of aspirations and career, Meredith Hayward, uh, the GTM Partnerships and Strategy Operation Manager at Recharge, specifically focuses on that and says, this really depends on what you want your ops to be, the size of company, and what the person's aspirations are. She didn't want to move into RevOps because she wanted to stay strategic. Going into GTM strategy and partner ops allowed her to do that, but she couldn't have done that if she stayed in RevOps. Um, so she has kind of a, blot, a blended model as well. She has a partner ops, RevOps analyst, and uh, in the RevOps org, has dotted lines to her. So that gives her visibility into RevOps as someone to help champion things in RevOps, but also lets her focus on partner ops that are not revenue related, like program management, strategy, et cetera. Reporting into RevOps for her makes sense when the majority of the role is focused on RevOps tasks, when there's more overall resources, increasing the potential for partner ops to become isolated if they're not embedded, or you wanna create more visibility and alignment for partnership within RevOps, it makes, uh, reporting into partnerships makes sense when the partnership leader wants more control over partnership op projects or when the role is more focused on program management and support and less on the typical RevOps functions. I can agree with that. I turned down a role uh, toward the end of last year because after I got into the interviews and got through it, it was very clear. It was a RevOps function, a RevOps focused role without much of the broader operational appeal that I was really looking for. Um, and, or if the company is just smaller and you need attention on specific projects within partnerships, a lot of time that first time is really understanding of systems and tools, not doing a lot of the RevOps function, you're going to, you're going to coach. And I still think a good ops person on the partnership side, you still want your RevOps team to understand where partnerships fits. And it's kind of this additional data layer and slicer for how you see all the other data. So I don't think it's that it can be hard to get to without the right architecture, but I don't think it's rocket science. Let's put it that way. Katrina Penny, a friend of mine, uh, partner operations and experience director, uh, may be looking. Keep your eye out for her next big thing. Uh, so uh, if you if you get to know Penny, you might you might find yourself some really great talent to bring onto your team as she starts to think about reentering the market. This seems to be more common, she says. They kept their partner team separate where she was at, but they were 100% aligned with a joint weekly call. So in this case, she had a partnership operational team that had two or three people, maybe four, handling different pieces. They felt with um, more than just a CRM build, commissions and forecasting, they felt with program build, management, including like system management for the PRM, partner onboarding queries, team support and so much more like you could have a partner support rep who supports partners at the frontline field support for when your partner managers are out or for your lower tier partners who don't have a dedicated PAM. Maybe you're breaking your program up, uh, you know, based on revenue and performance, they get a, they get dedicated account management at a certain level. You still might need that team support rolling into operations or at least being influenced by operations as a part of customer success. I mean, I partner success could make sense. She says, if partner ops has moved into RevOps, look to ensure there isn't scope team or time where you're losing them away from priorities. This echoes what Jason said. In a smaller company, you could see your partnership person pulled away uh, into RevOps functions because they need the capacity. Uh, now, Jason Breed is Global Lead Strategic Initiative at SIs over at AWS. Um, he just says, you know, put a highlight on understanding the role of the partner ops and the roles of the RevOps person. Basically, make sure, again, if you've seen this echoed, what are they going to do? What's their role? Um, you get efficiencies, but you can also get overlaps in needs. 
So he's saying the thing that's him the best is simple is simply understanding and agreeing what you need out of the role. Define it, define deliverables, get your KPIs set up, and hold people accountable. And he also uh, throws a nice little chart, and I copied this, got his permission. This is from the SEB school, uh, S-E-B-S-E-B S-E-B school, uh, yeah, com. Um, there's a program you can get access to. I'm not affiliated, by the way, so this isn't a pump. I, I haven't signed up for it myself. Um, but it actually highlights partner ops with these lines across process and strategy data insight systems and enablement. This is how I see it. I can see a partner operational manager role, uh, which I would love to see these tied to experience, language two, driving across all four of these functions in the organization so that they have some say in the systems, tools, and delivery of a lot of these things. Um, Darren Bibby, the last one here, owner over at Aligned Partner. Uh, I like Darren. He starts off strong to me. He says, partner operations encapsulates many things. Now, for him, it was mainly the angle of revenue sales ops. Um, but you want these to be next to others and have a sense of neutrality. But he also says, you know, to have this work well, you need a partner program strategy team sitting under partnerships driving what exactly should be worked on in ops. Now, I think this comes back down, commentary from my part. I think that comes down to depending on the experience of your operational professional. Are they equipped to develop strategy? Have they been around long enough to know uh, we have an agency program? So with agency, we need to take on challenge X, Y, and Z, make sure we have intake for partners. There's a good referral rhythm that signature is complete. We do annual review. Like, Do they know what to help bring strategically to set up without the guidance from say an agency manager, right? So there's some experience piece there, um, but they should definitely be helping sign off on needs and user stories and things that they want. Uh, and I, that, I think that's basically what's influencing here uh, for Darren's comment, right? Just make sure you have balance that you know what they want and that you're getting the direction you want out of the role. It's a recurring theme. All right, my wrap up this week, right at 10 minutes. I'm gonna try to finish in the next two. Try not to make this a 12 minute podcast, I promise y'all. Um, having worked in both roles, I can attest to all this above, right? And I like Jason Breed's final thought. The partner ops role will need more skills usually than a single person can have. Regardless of where I've ever been embedded, whether it's ops, channel, and rev ops, or systems, the one thing is consistent. There's a broad role as any, and one of my primary efforts has always been being an advocate for channel and partnership needs to the rest of the organization. The projects I work on are going to vary. It's one of the things I love about the industry. The right type of partner ops role for me is very broad. It gives me focus on a lot of different pieces of the company and opportunity to take on projects across the board. It is a highly, if not critically, cross-functional role to me, and it'll demand a variety of skills depending on how the role is shaped. There's room for junior analysts. There's room for new hires and entry level. There's room for experienced leadership as this function gets developed. I really hope to see this role continue to get a broader understanding. I hope to see its relationship to partner experience become more clear to other people because it is clear to me and that we see increased professional pathways for the current practitioners. Folks, we need ways to promote and grow the function. It can't just always stop at director of partner operations. We need to have this connected into ecosystem and into experience with comparable roles being developed at larger companies. I think it's all up in the air, right? But if you're in partner ops, start asking for what you want. Uh, it's the only way you're ever going to get it. A couple of resources to highlight the partner ecosystem roadmap uh, that Jared Fuller put out uh, a while back. I, I looked over that, added some couple of notes. I'm not going to go deep here to um, just highlighting where he's putting partner ops and how it supports certain functions. I think that's relevant there. Um, but I also think that 
I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to Marco DePaulis again. And his great stories are going to be a, a training on it or a, a session this week uh, on LinkedIn. I'll have that linked here too. Uh, he's going to talk about this his fake crazy first year and his first hire partner operations. I'm going to lean on that story so heavy. You better believe it for the next year. And then also quick update on the nine box plan. Uh, Blake Williams at AM Factor gave me really, really good context. I talked about the prioritization. I, I talked about the strategy without prioritization. I just said, here's your box. Here's a strategy. Here's what you can do. Blake came back in from AM Factors. What he does for a living folks so definitely listen to Blake and says, hey, let's prioritize based on financial value. Prospect to prospect is not, there's no money in that. That's not your high trust. Um, high money, high value category. They won't. They won't focus on that unless there's just nothing else to go after. So that's your bottom tier. I think it's a great context, folks. Thanks for another week. Hopefully this sounds okay. I'm gonna listen to it. Um, yeah. Thanks for another great week. Thanks for another time uh, to Wendy Wen, who I met last week, and the hiring manager that told her to listen to my podcast. Wow. That was the biggest compliment ever. I still owe you some resources. I haven't forgotten. They're coming. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Good luck partnering.